Um, stay tuned next for Stone's Throw with Jennifer Stone. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadows out of sight. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is August the 14th, 2018. And this is the Garden of Eden. (laughs) And... I, I personally am going to make the world safe for satire. DJ Trump, be warned, Berkeley broads in Birkenstocks are on the barricades. Women all over the nation are coming, coming to get you, to see to it, that you don't get the last laugh. Taint funny. There's an old radio show. (laughs) Yes, Peter McGee and Molly and, uh... Molly would say, "Tain't funny, McGee. Tain't funny." My parents loved that show. Okay. Anyway, you old man, you clean up your act. Get off the TV. Uh, do it, or the women will do it for you. Look around. Here they come. What did they say? Binders of them, folders full of women. Maxine Waters. Now that woman has a sense of humor. So do the rest of the women in Congress. Uh, last time I looked, game change, boys. Time's up. I mean, even Ivanka is ashamed, although she's got a con of her own. Uh, oh, what shameful doings. Oh, I've got a bet on the young women and the smart men. Uh-huh. First church of the last left. From now on, I'm not going to get depressed. No more wringing of the hands. Sit you down and make a list. (laughs) I got a list here. Maybe I'll read you that later. Anyway, we know that fact-free fascism is not, not the future. Can't have that. Now, young are too smart to let these reactionary impulses of these frightened silverbacks rule the world. Primate behavior, I know, it is hardwired, you know. Uh, Little books like The Naked Ape have persuaded people that (laughs) we're hardwired to be uh, rotten to the core. Now, we know that top dogs just won't let go. They won't let go until they have no choice in the matter. Now, we know that for a while, for a while here, about a year and a half, well, more than that, uh, 
the know-nothing nihilism that surrounds us. It gave these retro rats an excuse. You know, they they looked around and they said, uh, those are hippies, hippies, liberals. And they came in with the flower power and they came in with all that love, junk and hope and joy and... Uh, we all know how joy threatens the established order. No laughing in church, you know. Ecstasy, oh my God, oh my God. That's the goddess, actually, not God. Pagans, some of those people. Uh, the old order, yes, it binds our desires. Uh, that's that William Blake poem, yes. Something binding and something, my joys and desires. I'll look it up. I'll look it up. Got to get things under control. These old guys look around and they see all these happy kids dancing, dancing in the streets. <laughs> they they write out a big sign there, walking down the street with their sign. It says, thou shalt not. Thou shalt not this, that, or the other, whatever. Uh Thou shalt not get out of line, actually, uh, especially the females, ye gods. If she, if she can decide when to have a child, well, now that's playing God for real. That would alter the global picture by Friday. Everything would change. Uh, however, in today's world, uh-huh, it's a man's job to play God. <laughs> my, my aching, aged bones just can't take any more of this mean-spirited, hateful behavior. You know, Big Daddy, Big Daddy's gotta go. Bye, Pharaoh, honey. The psychology of fascism. Ah, it seeps into democracy. Thomas Jefferson warned us. They all warned us. Uh, Cassandra's everywhere. Uh, Authoritarian ideas just creep, creep into cruel rules. Uh, You got to watch out, you know. Uh, Democracy takes all your weeknights. Compassion is usually dismissed as a weakness. Um, foolhardy, permissiveness. Uh-huh. <laughs> I remember back in the late 60s. Oh, don't start that, Jennifer. No talking about the 60s. We know. We know what's happened to that, that talk. Uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Bob Dylan stuff, right? Never mind, he got the Nobel Prize for Literature. We know that he's not, uh, he's not uh, in the big book. I mean, now, you gotta look out, though. Watch out for all these guys who, well, people, girls too. Watch out for the ones who believe in punishment as a solution, as a cure for social ills. You know, hire more Police. Uh, recently, I mustn't tell. 
anecdotes like this recently. Someone in my building was circulating a petition to get a security officer uh, at night, you know, to walk in the halls. (laughs) I live down here next to the Berkeley Bowl and I said, my God, you're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna get a cop. They'll, they'll shoot somebody's grandson. Not on your life. No more cops needed. Somebody's mother. Okay. Well, you know, get somebody's mother to sit in the lobby and, uh, take care of business. Uh, oh, I guess the, the big hope is that the, the old rigid love laws have given way. They've given way. Uh, we don't have to worry as much as, well, we still have to worry. But the laws have been passed. Well, Roe versus Wade. Mm-hmm. Still, we've got all these emotions and beliefs, this fallocentric uh, mindset, uh, these fallocrats. <laughs> Uh, it's a wonderful show. If you get a chance to see it, it's called Political Animals. It's about the first women, uh, four lesbians, to tackle the California legislature. Uh, good, good folks. Uh, you have to start at the grassroots. Anyway, uh, sadistic, sadistic societies, sadistic cultures. Uh, it's a funny thing. Sometimes the only way to touch another human being is to hurt them, to torture them. It's a connection. It's a connection. I hear that sometimes uh, <laughs> the the victims, the victims of the torturers, they will kiss their executioners goodbye. I've seen it. I've seen it on the video. <laughs> anyway, once upon a time, The late, great Oscar Wilde wrote, There are no ugly loves, nor handsome prisons. I will repeat, there are no ugly loves and no handsome prisons. For myself, I've just got to do whatever I can to keep my head above water, cheer up. Cheerio, my deario, there's a dance in the old dame yet. <laughs> Laughter, you know, is enlightenment. Uh, as the trees in the forest reach for the sun, so the human spirit must reach for any light coming through, coming through those trees. Laughter, laughter. I remember Lena Wertmuller, the great Italian filmmaker, uh, She was being interviewed and she said that laughter is the Vaseline that makes the ideas penetrate. (laughs) Not in the, oh dear, not in the posterior, I'll be polite, not in the posterior, but in the brain. Right between the eyes, right? Uh Uh-huh. Wake up, wake up. Yes, it's the Zen the Zen solution. I think of uh, the movies, the creativity. Uh, it keeps coming. It keeps coming. Uh, I just have been living on uh, uh, the Daily Show. Trevor, uh, Trevor Noah. 
Laura Privis, our uh, once-was program director, until just a few weeks ago, uh, she turned me on to The Daily Show. I haven't watched it much, and now I'm hooked. Uh, absolutely fabulous. Just makes makes my day. Uh, Trevor Noah, The Daily Show. I think of all the stuff, my little list here. You know, La Caja Faux, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Uh, it's got a clown around. Uh, when I was a young woman growing up, drag queens were the the leaders of the the enlightened gang. Uh, in the 1950s, you really had to keep your head down. I remember a theater I worked uh, in, the Interplayers over in North Beach, and many of our actors uh, were gay, people of color, that kind of thing. And I was over there at Mills College, which was reasonably respectable, and I learned a lot. I learned uh, that a lot of people have to have to live behind the veil, behind the veil, uh, behind a mask. I was just a uh, insecure heterosexual young woman. Uh, but I did get the picture. I got enlightened. I remember one evening going to a place called the Beige Room. Must have been 53, 1953. <laughs> I saw a, a gentleman, uh, what is that, uh, go into shock when the drag queen tore off uh, his shirt. Uh, the, guy, the guy fell apart. I don't know. I guess he was from Artichoke, Indiana or something. But he laughed and laughed and I guess he, he got it. He got it. Uh, I remember realizing I guess before I was 21 <laughs> I got it. A woman is either a feminist or a masochist. That's it. And remember, we said that a bitch is someone who takes care of herself. A lady is someone who looks around for someone to take care of her. Hmm. A feminist is a free, free individual. Free to love, even when she loses. <laughs> it's very difficult, very difficult. Uh, there's a snag in there because what a woman will do to win male approval, male love, that has cost us our freedom. Uh, we said woman, women will choose love over power. Well, now, if love means subjugation, right before I'll be a slave, I'll be buried in my grave. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. He laughed and said, yeah, you probably will, girl. <laughs> love, love as subjugation. Love as celebration, that's another story. Uh, when I was... Uh, very young, my mother lived on Dorothy Parker. That was my earliest education. 
my mother and her friends would sit around reading Dorothy Parker's poems and uh, epigrams, all those funny little things. Uh, they were hooked. They were hooked on uh, sorrow, I guess. Here's Dorothy Parker in a, a little thing she wrote. It's called Two-Volume Novel, right? Two-Volume Novel. The suns turn dim and the moons turn black. Because I loved him and he didn't love back. <laughs> yes. Yes, as she says somewhere else. With this, the gist and some of it, what earthly good can come of it? Uh, I remember thinking that this was an insoluble problem and I realized that the the last revolution, the very last step uh, was the the great big, I don't want to call it a war, the great big gender, gender divide, equity. When, you know, when will it happen? Here and there they say, well, we got 30% of the legislature, 20% of the power, this, that, and the other. <laughs> yes. Virginia Woolf said, men don't think they measure. I don't think we can uh, do much with the counting, counting. If women counted, if women counted, they might add up to something. Uh, I still I still have that voice in my head, Dorothy Parker's voice, my mother's generation. Centuries and centuries of that stuff, uh, I thought, I thought we were self-effacing. Uh, we were told we should laugh at ourselves. That was better for our mental health. Laugh at ourselves more than at men. You know, uh, it's a man, humor it. That was the atmosphere I grew up in. <laughs> the poems, both of Dorothy Parker and Edna St. Vincent Millay, the most popular poems of the early 20th century. Uh, those poems just go on and on and on about the ways men make us suffer, how women are hurt by this game of life, this game of love. The only hope, of course, was to live through it all, come out the other side and become... I guess postmenopausal is the word. Uh, wise women, the women of the wise blood. That's it. I want to start a grandmother party. I think that's that's the secret. There are places in the world where that happens. People consult their grandmother. Uh, <laughs> yes. There was a poem. Uh, was Dorothy Parker right? I carried it around in my notebook for decades. Uh, and I, I guess it was true for me then. Uh, it was, you know, it was the the answer, the the, the tag ending uh, to all those poems about loss and suffering, uh, about being hurt. Uh, the last line in this poem reads. And once, once there was a heart, 
I broke. That, I think, is worse. Now, is that a great big ego leap? I wonder, and I just don't know. Dorothy Parker had all all kinds of hang-ups. God bless her. Uh, Come on, Dorothy, let's man up. Pull yourself together. She wrote a wonderful play called Ladies of the Corridor. And uh, the critics loved it, but it didn't. It didn't uh, run very long. One short season, uh, one critic said, who wants to see a a play about a whole bunch of alcoholic older women suffering, living in a hotel? Uh, Yes, Dorothy Parker. Uh, She was born Dorothy Rothschild, not one of the Rothschilds. She married a wasp named Parker. And I have it here in her biography. Uh, uh, huh. Yes, she called she called Parker a good, clean name. Uh huh. A good, clean name. Heartbreaking, heartbreaking. Each generation has to cast off all this. What do we call it? These layers of layers and layers. Uh, I think Susan Griffin, the poet, once she said that the task of feminism is like unwrapping bandages from a a mummy. You know, all these uh, pieces just wrapped around and around, especially the one covering your mouth. (laughs) Yes. Being a mouthy woman was my downfall. Definitely, definitely did me in and serve me right. <laughs> I remember a close friend uh, about the time I was getting my divorce, I think in the late 60s, I remember saying, I remember hear, hearing him say that my good husband was the only man in the United States who could put up who could put up with me and my uh, voice? I said, "Well, you know, that'll teach him. You know that. Let that be a lesson to him. Uh, never mind. Here's my little pile of what I think of as my laughs. I hope that they're they're not too too painful, too parkerized. Uh, this is called pathography." Yes, I got a lot of uh, pathology. Uh Uh-huh. Why are we poets? Because we cannot sing. That's why. More wine, less truth. Once upon a time in the land of the lost lived a woman who knew too much. Man did not know her from Eve. He had got awfully old. He had got hardening of the categories. A momento. Mori macho. Mother, mother told me. History would be nights like this. Let's see. The examined life. 
That's the title. That's the thing. The examined life. You remember the one that's <laughs> worth living? <laughs> I doubt it. The examined life. I sometimes regret that the man I loved the most was not a good or particularly admirable person. I should have loved the best the most. It would have made me seem a better person, but I didn't, and I'm not. <laughs> Here we go. This is the the days, I think in the 70s mostly, the days of the Café Mediterranean, the, the Telegraph Avenue days here in Berkeley when we thought we were living the dream. Uh, yes, on a clear day we could see San Pablo. This is called Many Thousands Gone. The day of the cafe is done. The day of the locusts is come. No more the cigarettes shall burn, nor melancholy Mednick share his fondest, blondest lie. Lost lovers around the corners, those alcoholic spasms we called love affairs. <laughs> a la familia, the day of the cafe is done. The day of the locusts is come. Brightness falls from the air. Lesbians have died, young and fair. Police play frisbee with hate men, and it's all over now, baby blue. The times, they are a-changing. Once more, one more spin. Then the wheel, the wheel comes full circle. Hippie poets arrive at the place where the beats began. Exalted exhaustion. Beatitude trumps attitude. <laughs> Even for the rapmeisters, all the fine young cannibals dipping their pens in the blood of the masses, writing their hearts out, poetry the plasma, milking the miasma, the malaise of midtown morality of self-righteous sincerity, the bleat of the orthodox, radical Telegraph Avenue, USA, center of the known universe. In the beginning was the writing on the wall, the dying falling through the cracks carved in stone for the year 2K. There is no help coming. Commune over coffee. Have a drink before dusk. Derivative derelicts are still taking notes. Crouched in the stacks at Cody's bookstore. 
duck and cover. Illusions shot to hell were free at last. The day of the cafe is done. The day of the locusts is come. In the neon evening, the intelligentsia gather to deplore the ignorantia, and literati suck up to cognoscenti, pretending we do not see the fascisti waiting in the wings. Oh, no black boot and no barbed wire this time, no big brother at all. Just the tin cup and the TV. Technocide and MTIs. No more bedtime stories. No more holding hands. Let's not kid ourselves. We were never innocent. Not in my lifetime. This has been Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Be back next week at the same time. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Ever wonder how a profoundly serious intellectual might view this president? Well, one of the world's most celebrated moral philosophers, acclaimed scholar and humanist, Martha Nussbaum, professor of law and ethics at the University of Chicago, author of so many books, is coming to the Bay to express her views. Her new book is The Monarchy of Fear. A philosopher looks at our political crisis. She'll discuss the ruthless punishing of immigrants, the powerlessness felt now by millions, the erosion of democracy, the deepening of collective fear, and what we can do about it. Martha Nussbaum will be at our co-sponsor St. John's Presbyterian Church, 2727 College Avenue in Berkeley on Thursday evening, August 23rd, beginning 730. This KPFA benefit offers some free parking and has wheelchair access. Tickets available at brownpapertickets.com and our blessed indie bookstores. That's philosopher Martha Nussbaum.